Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 518. I just took my first three-day cruise on an Oasis-class ship, and this is actually Royal Caribbean's new foray into short cruises with big ships. Is it worth it? What do I think about it? And what was my suite like? We're going to talk all about this on this week's episode. Here we go. So I was on a three-night cruise on Allure of the Seas, and this is the first time an Oasis-class cruise ship is beginning to offer short cruises. Traditionally, Oasis-class ships offer seven-night cruises, right? That has been the norm from day one when Oasis of the Seas debuted in 2009. Now, fast forward to today, and Royal Caribbean is trying to change that a little bit. There's a couple reasons for it. Number one, there's a lot of Oasis-class ships out there. Number two, the Oasis-class ship market has been well-established. And number three, Royal Caribbean is trying to get into a different market, or rather, appeal to a different market, in that they want first-time cruisers to really look towards their product rather than maybe some other lines that are out there. And traditionally, Royal Caribbean has used older, smaller ships, relatively speaking anyway, to be those ships that offer those weekend runs over the you know, three-night cruises, and of course, the four-night cruises on Monday to Friday. That's been their MO for a while, but now... Allure of the Seas is beginning to offer three and four night cruises. And this is just step one, because of course, the Utopia of the Seas is going to launch next summer, and she's going to offer the exact same thing, with the idea being, again, that Royal is putting their better ships, their best ships, offering these. But like many of you, I thought, well, what is it really like? Is it worth it to do a three night cruise on such a big ship? And this was the overarching theme for it. For this particular cruise, we booked Allure of the Seas three night sailing. It's actually her first three nighter she did two sailings before this from Port Canaveral. She had moved over from Galveston, if you remember that. Anyway, she did, uh, I forget what the first sailing was, like a five-nighter or something, and then it was a four-nighter. Anyway, this was the first three-night cruise that Allure was doing. Now, I have done short cruises on a waste slash ship, primarily for, like, inaugural events, so special things, not exactly, you know, a real cruise, so to speak. Occasionally, there have been short cruises on Oasis class ships, They've usually been in conjunction with, like, a charter event in which your company, you know, rents out the ship and then Royal would have a one-off sailing for a three- or four-night cruise to try to get the ship back on schedule. So it's not like this is the first time ever, ever, ever that they've had a short cruise on an Oasis-class ship, but it's the first time that Royal Grimm has offered a short cruise regularly, and this will be the norm now for at least the next couple of years, where if you want to do a weekend cruise out of Fort Canaveral, you're going to be going on, or you can be going, I should say, on an Oasis class. And this drew us in immediately because my family loves Oasis class ships. And the interesting thing about an Oasis class, especially for a short cruise, is it gives you the best of what these ships have to offer. But the time versus, you know, the ship argument, right? And for me, it's kind of interesting because I think I come from a different perspective than maybe some other folks. But, you know, we kind of looked at it as a way to get our cruise fix in, in the same way that I often talk about weekend cruises in general. I forget the waste class. Why should you book a three-night cruise? Because it's a great way to augment your cruising experience, not a way to replace it. Like, I would never tell or advocate someone, oh, it's your first ever cruise, you should book a three-night cruise. I think that's actually a mistake. I like, I look at three-night cruises as a way to kind of, you know, pass the time. Like, you, you've got a week-long trip here, a week-long trip there, maybe a longer tra transatlantic or something, you know, over there. Those are like your destination big-ticket cruises. Three-night cruises are great for, well, I've got some time between now and my next cruise. I'd love to cruise before then. There's a long weekend coming up. Let's get a cruise in here just to get, you know, get that, scratch that itch. 
so to speak. And so for me, that's exactly how I looked at it. And I've always looked at it that way. And the, with an Oasis class, it's even better because that allows me to get that Oasis class experience without necessarily doing a full week cruise. So that was part one. Part two was when we booked it, we got a steal of a deal on this. Royal Green put out these new sailings on sale back in, I, I believe it was March of 2022. And the pricing was really low for it and for whatever reason. But anyway, I jumped on it and we actually booked the Royal Loft Suite Room 1740, which is one of the largest suites that's available on Allure of the Seas. This is a star class room. It has two levels because it's the loft suite. And I've stayed in sky loft suites, which are much narrower. This is a very expansive room with an even more giant balcony. It has the jacuzzi on the, on the balcony. Like that was something I've always wanted to try. And for our cruise, it kind of made sense. We decided to give it a try. It was going to be the four of us, my wife and my two kids. And we thought it would be fun to do this because we've done three night cruises. We've done Oasis class, but you know, when you do a suite, you know, I, oftentimes we debate about whether or not it's worth it. What's, you know, what's that threshold for making it a worthwhile cost? And I always tell people at the end of the day, number one, everyone has a different definition. I come here and tell you for the next six hours why this price, whatever it is, is a good idea or good value or, or a good price. And it doesn't matter if you can't afford it. You know what? I can't make you feel that way. We all have different cost justifications and scales of how we perceive value and that's an important concept in cruising because one person might say oh that thousand dollar balcony room that's a good deal someone else might say that's a terrible deal you should go stay in the inside room and save even more money it depends what your priorities are how much budget you have and other priorities for us we were looking to splurge a little bit weekend cruise it's easier to go big on a short duration than a longer sailing when you do a seven-night cruise in a suite, and we've done that before, it has been a much more expensive proposition. Maybe not per night, but out-the-door cost. That's always the big issue. And so I saw this as a way to get back into a star class room because we've done them before. We enjoyed it. But it was going to be actually not only just star class, but one of the top rooms, a royal loft suite. I've only seen them in tours, never actually stayed in one. And it just seemed like a compelling option to be a good ex experiment, if you will. And I wanted to see also what was it like three night cruise. And I've done three, I've done three night cruises. I've done cruises in the Bahamas. I've done Oasis class. So maybe this was for me the best of both worlds. A way to say, I want to spend my time in here to be able to enjoy the room and get my value out of the cabin while also going on an Oasis class for just three nights. So this course with three night cruise, we went to Nassau and Perfect Day, Coton Key. And we, you know, at first, one of the big questions and the thing that people have asked me ever since they heard I was doing it, you know, is it worth it an Oasis class ship? And a lot of people have very strong opinions on an Oasis class ship for three nights. Here was what I would say. No matter how often you've cruised, and I, again, I would say, let me back this up for one second. I would say, and I, if you've never cruised before, where you don't cruise a lot, you've only done maybe one or two cruises, I would not recommend a three-night cruise of any on any ship to, to anybody. I think you should do a longer sailing to get your money's worth out of or get better value, better experience, whatever. So with that out the door, why is an Oasis class ship for a three-night cruise not a waste or there's, it's too short? That's usually the comment people talk about. Oh, it's only three nights on an Oasis class. You can't do it all. You can't get everything out of it. It's not worth it because the ship's got so much going on. Yeah, but that's the same reason why, you know, if you go to New York City for a vacation, you're not going to see everything in New York City, right? No matter, I mean, you can stay there for a week. You're not going to see everything. If you go to Walt Disney World, 
and you go for a weekend, you're not going to see every single, you're not going to ride every single ride. You're not going to experience every restaurant or every uh, attraction that is there, right? But what's more important when you go to New York or Walt Disney World or Las Vegas, whatever, you go to these places because you say, well, I want to go there and I want to spend a couple days at these places, you know, enjoy what they have to offer, the very best they have to offer, and then I'm going to go back. And I think of this all the time with cities, Washington, D.C., right? I don't see every single museum in D.C. when I go there, but I'll go to a couple of them, and the next time I go there, I'll see some other museums. And when I go to Walt Disney World, I might ride, you know, on an average day, if I were to be there from park open to park closing, you know, let's say in the Magic Kingdom, gosh, 10, 12 attractions, right, in the daytime, maybe more, maybe less, but I'm not going to do every single one. That doesn't make it a failure or a bad idea or a waste of my time. It's just impetus to try it again. I think the issue people have is they're being hung up on this idea that because on a seven-night cruise, you have enough time to do it all, a three-night cruise would not be worthwhile because you don't have time to do it all. But I'm saying it doesn't matter a lot. You can't think of it that way. You have to think of it more like you're visiting a city because let's face it, a waste of early floating cities. And if you're looking at it from that perspective, then you understand that if you you know only see two or three shows and maybe only eat at one or two specialty restaurants and only go to a couple of events in the in the in the cruise compass, that's okay. That just means you have another opportunity to go back again some other time and finish that up. And I've done this on week-long cruises on Oasis class ships where I have not done it all. So I, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I think the fact that Oasis class have never done, of course, these short sailings is what's getting a lot of people hung up on. And I understand that. But once I kind of thought about it, the the cruise ship experience in the same way that I think about going to a you know a land vacation, going to a city and, and experiencing it that way and saying, I'm, I know I'm not going to do it all, but that's okay. I want to do the highlights. Then I don't see a problem with this at all. Now, the other side of the equation is we say in the Royal Loft Suite. And this actually worked to my advantage even more because we're on an Oasis class ship. Lots to do, right? But I've been on Allure. We were on Allure. Let's see. I was on Allure twice last year. And we've been on Allure before that. And we've done her sister ship. So this is not my first rodeo, so to speak. So booking a suite for us, at least as our family, seemed like a great idea because we weren't as compelled to try to get out there and do every single activity. At the end of the day, a cruise is what you make of it, right? And you can have a great cruise doing every single activity in the cruise compass or sitting around and napping all day, right? You can have a great time eating at a ton of specialty restaurants or none at all. Everyone has their own way they like to cruise and there isn't a wrong way to do it. A cruise is what you make of it. And for us on this cruise, we said we were going to take advantage of what the suite has to offer and spend more time in our room than before. Not just because of the cost, but because the room is just cool to be in. Like, I mean, I it's just a nice cabin to enjoy lots of outdoor space on the balcony, lots of indoor space, uh, lots of great amenities. So we really, really liked the cabin and it, and, and that was kind of our overarching goal. My, my wife joked she was never going to leave the cabin for the entire cruise. Because don't forget, being in star class, you can actually order food in through the Royal Genie, which was great. In terms of the suite itself, let's talk about that for a little bit. There are two bedrooms. There's a bedroom downstairs. The master bedroom is the entire top floor of the loft suite. What I liked about the cabin was an incredible amount of space. I mean, just I've been in sky loft suites. They're very nice. These are the amount of space was just gargantuan. I mean, there's a piano, there's a dining room, there's the giant living room, an even larger balcony. It was incredible about a living space. The master bedroom, the only problem with it was 
they ha you use curtains for privacy. So that means, you know, if you're sleeping or you just want to have privacy in general, you there's a button to push and the curtains automatically go. That's cool, but curtains are not soundproof or, or as soundproof as a door. Uh, so that's like number one. Number two, being that it's the lure of the season, this is true of a lot of cabins on the ship, not just this one, outlets are very limited. And in the case of the master bedroom, the nearest outlet for like charging our phones was over by a desk that was near the staircase. You know, it's definitely a first world problem, but would have been nice to have had an outlet somewhere near the bed. There was actually a USB plug in the phone uh, on one side, but that doesn't help everybody out. Anyway, that's a minor thing. The bathroom was great, although the bathroom, the shower has a, is a giant window, right? And the window is floor to ceiling in the shower. Just fine, because it's opaque for about 85% of the window, uh, which means from the bottom to about 85% up, it's opaque. So no one can see in, you know, it's that, you know, it, but the top part, that last 15% is see-through. And I guess the idea is that no one would ever see your, they only see your face, right? Or fine. And who's really going to look in there from whatever. That's totally fine. When you're, when we were docked in Nassau, that was fine. Uh, in, in other places. But anyway, we worked for Riverdale Coquille. It was a problem because the water slide tower over on Liberty of the Seas, which is right next to us. If someone was looking, they definitely could have gotten a show in there. So that was like a minor issue. Like, I mean, obviously that doesn't happen all the time and we noticed it. Um, and, and I would just argue in general, I think windows and showers are overrated. Like forget if cruise ship or land, it, I've seen them in houses just as much as cruise ships. Like it's a cool idea that you really have to remember there's the, the rest of the world is out there somewhere. And, um, you know, it, it could be an issue, but I, but listen, there were two shower heads, a rainforest shower head and a hot tub jacuzzi in the bathroom, plus a bidet, plus a toilet, plus two sinks. It was the most giant bathroom I've ever been in on a cruise ship. It was certainly enough space. The uh, the kids loved their bedroom. It was great. The grand piano had a automatic player, which our kids abused. They just played it a lot, and it's okay the first like seventeen times you hear Beethoven, but after a while, it was like, please turn it off. Actually, my my kids nicknamed the ghost, quote unquote, that plays the piano as as Gary, the <laughs> Gary the piano player who would go there. They always talked to him like, hey Gary, play another song. And anyway, um. The other, the jacuzzi of the hot tub, I thought I was going to love the jacuzzi. I've always wanted one of these, right? And on day two in Nassau, we all went in there finally. We're like, all right, well, we're going to go in the, in the hot tub and we're going to enjoy some time. The hot tub, well, first of all, the water wasn't hot, hot. Like, it wasn't like, you know, a hot tub when you go on the pool deck, right? I mean, it can get very, very hot, like steam coming out of it hot, right? This was, I'm not sure if the setting wasn't set correctly. We, we tried to, you know, jack it up and let it go for a little while. It wasn't super hot, but the bigger problem was there was no shade. Uh, although of course the bal the balcony is like, there's an overhang. Um, if the sun's angle is this, you know, wherever it is, it's not going to provide shade all the time. And we happened to pick the time in which the sun, there was no shade. And so being in a hot tub in the sun, it wasn't as enjoyable. I think it's really more, I would prefer if there were shade, it would have been great. And of course there could have been a different time of the day. We could have made that work. Um, but uh, you know, it kind of felt like I, it was fun, but I don't know that I necessarily needed to do that all the time. If that makes sense. Like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good as I maybe made it out to be in my mind, but the rest of the balcony was fantastic. I mean, there was a wet bar, there's a table out there, lots of chairs. It's a great space. Uh, the room was great. The suite was fantastic. And again, because we booked it in 2022 and got a pretty good deal on it. Um, it was, it was for the four of us with everything gratuities. $7,000. That's a really good price for a real loft suite. Three night cruise. Now, again, take a seven night cruise in that room. It's a lot more, maybe not per night, but overall 
And so it's a little more manageable to do it on a short cruise. In fact, when we go on Utopia of the Seas next year, and we pick a random weekend in October, we're staying in a suite as well because we wouldn't be able to afford that suite on a seven-night cruise, but we can on a short cruise, more on that next year. But it's just interesting how your your thought process changes a little bit for those short cruises. Um, in terms of the Royal Genie experience, we've done the Royal Genie a couple times, and every Genie has their own style. This is very much a truth. They're not, it's not all carbon cut. It's not all the same. When you read the literature that either Royal Caribbean provides or your Genie provides you pre-cruise, there is very little in there that actually describes what the Genie can do. And if you talk to people that have done cruises with Royal Genies before, they'll, and you ask them what can they do, they're probably going to laugh and or smirk and say, well, it depends. There's a lot of ambiguity in the program, I think purposefully, because they don't want it to be, oh, everybody gets this event, this event, this activity, this thing. They don't want it to be cookie cutter. They want it to be personalized. And by definition, being personalized, it's going to be different than what someone else may get. And certainly, if I've learned anything from doing star class on other ships, you know, it's that every genie has their own style, their own approach. Some are very talkative pre-cruise, some are not. Some are very open to working with ideas you may have. Some may curtail your imagination a little bit say you know you should really try this or this or that or here's another option we have um what's interesting about this was i was trying and a three night cruise this is the problem with star class is that you don't have a lot of time to figure out your genie on a seven night cruise you have more time to get used to each other and i always found that on, on my other cruises i've done in star class which have been seven night cruises there have been by like day four or so we kind of finally get on the same page like okay I get what their style is. They understand what I'm looking for. And there's more anticipation on their end of what I could expect. And there's less asking because they're already a step ahead of me, which is great. On this cruise, the learning curve is, mu is much steeper because you can't do that. You'll be off the ship by the time that happens. So that was a little bit stranger. There were a couple things that were just, again, it's hard to know where this, maybe it was my genie style. Maybe this was a change from Royal Caribbean. Like, hey, you guys, you know, one of the, the biggest gray areas with the Royal Genie has always been with other guests on board who are not in Star Class. Officially, the letter of the law is the, the Genie privileges are only for you, nobody else, which I, I totally get. I didn't think that wasn't the case. But the scenario that it commonly plays out is you're in Star Class and you have friends that are staying that are not. Now, in the case of my friends, they have the ultimate dining package and they have the unlimited drink package. So they were covered in that. And I was, you know, asking my genie before the cruise, you know, can I, can you book, we want to make reservations for these restaurants. And by the way, I, I'm not going to pay for them. I just want you, can you make a reservation also for my friends to be there? And the answer was no, given to me pre-cruise. When we got on board the ship, then she kind of said, well, you know, if you told me I could have made it, I was like, mm, I did, but that's, not, that's beside the point. Um, and then there were other situations that kind of reared its head and it was kind of, it made me scratch my head a little bit because I was like, well, we've definitely done this before, you know, with situations like at one point, what we like to do with star class is my wife and I will go out for dinner at a restaurant and my kids will stay in the room because number one, they're picky eaters. Number two, they don't like getting, they don't like getting dressed. They just don't want to go out to dinner. They want to sit around and watch TV and then have food brought to them, eat and be done with it. Right? So our strategy has been worked really well is we'll order them food, room service, and the nice thing about Star Class is you can order room service from especially restaurants, assuming they're open. Well, after about, I think, night two, my genie was like, could you please limit 
the ordering of specialty restaurants to the cabin to one restaurant at a time. Like, like not like hey, my wife, uh, my, my one kid wants filet mignon from shops and one kid wants, um, you know, pasta from Giovanni's, right? Hypothetically. Um, she didn't say we couldn't do it, but she asked me not to do it. And that was something that I've done a bazillion times um, on other cruises with Star Class, right? Not a big deal. Um, and, but it's just kind of like, was like, well, again, is that, is that the genie style? Is that Royal Caribbean? I don't know. It's not a great time. Don't get me wrong. I know this sounds a lot like first world problems, but I was talking to some folks who do, who have done star glass as well. And just, you know, I always like to get other people's sense of it. You know, am I be, am I, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm being unrealistic. And a lot of them were like, yeah, that is kind of strange. I remember, um, on the final night of the cruise, I asked for, they can deliver Starbucks on the cruise because it's including star in this. Starbucks is including star glass. And I said, you know, can we have, um, you know, our Starbucks order in the morning for uh, of December vacation day. I've done this every single star, every single star class cruise. This has been, uh, has been allowed. And then, uh, the, this is all via done a messaging app. What's that? The genie said, no, it's not available. Uh, but then she showed up on December vacation morning with the coffee anyway. So I, I, I don't know. It's again, it could be the style of the genie could be Royal Caribbean changing things. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Again, it wasn't a bad experience, but this is actually maybe one of the downsides of doing star class on a short three night sailing is you have very little time to figure it all out. You know, one of the things that I like doing with star class is you get to do, you know, maybe do something special in your cabin, like a little party event. Right. And I, in retrospect, we should have done it on sail away on day one of the cruise, but I realized that about day two of the cruise. And by that point, it's too late already. And there's so little time. So if you miss something, you're kind of out of it. You, you miss your opportunity. So, you know, I didn't hate it. Trust me, I enjoyed the experience, but it was a little different than I expected it to be. And the, again, you have, when if you're staying in Star Glass, you're doing a three-night cruise, or even a four-nighter, make sure you get every priority in line. Don't wing it as much as I might do on a seven-night cruise. In terms of the shows, there was opportunity to see multiple showings of Mamma Mia!, the Aqua Theater show, and there's, there's actually a new show, well, it's new to Allure, in the ice skating ring at Studio B. This is called Blades. I believe Blades has already been on Harmony of the Seas. It used to be the Monopoly one. That one's gone now. I'm guessing possibly there was a legal issue there, or like maybe the... Anyway, it doesn't matter. There's a new show. It's a, it's a new show to Allure, but not a new, new show overall. It was great. Anyway, you can see every single show on the ship. The difference is you can't lollygag. You can't take your time. You can't be like, well, we'll see you later on. You're going to see maybe one or two shows a night, but it can be done. That's the good news. But again, the bad news is um, you're just, it feels like you're maybe running from more activity to activity if you prioritize those kinds of things. Now, on the plus side, being in Star Class, we were able to, you know, get into any of the shows with our genies. So that was, that made it easier. But you know, again, let's go back to that Disney World, New York City, Las Vegas analogy. If you go on a three-night cruise and you only see, you know, the two shows, Mamma Mia and the Aqua Theater show, cool. You didn't see that ice skating show? No problem. Now you book another cruise later on and go back and see that. Why, that in the same way that if you go to Washington, D.C. and go to the Smithsonian uh, Natural History Museum but miss out on air and space, you can go back and see air and space another time. I, I hope that analogy kind of makes some sense because once I started thinking about it that way I stopped fearing this fear of missing out this sense of we've got to do everything 
And I ultimately said, we're going to enjoy the cruise. We're going to see some shows and do some things. We're not going to do it all. That's okay. We're still going to have a great time. So is a three-night cruise on Oasis class ship worth it? Yes, provided that you understand the what you can and can do and that you're not going to have time for it all. But that doesn't make it a bad idea. It just makes it a way to work a cruise in. Heck, maybe it makes it more affordable in the sense that the total cost may be a little bit lower for it. It's a great way to get a sampling. And then if you love it and really want to do it all, go do a seven-night cruise on an Oasis class ship, right? Because don't forget, while Allure is doing it now and Utopia will do it later on, um, you still have like, you know, five other, six other, I forget how many there are now, Oasis class ships doing seven-night cruises. So it's not like, you know, there's one ship and now Royal is giving up on that concept. They're just mixing up a little bit. And there's now a new option in town. And to put my money where my mouth is, I've already booked another one back on Allure in February, along with, of course, the Utopia of the Seas inaugural and then that random sailing in October. So I kind of like it a lot. Again, I am not. I live in the area. I don't fly down. I, I, I get you all on that if that's not the case. But for the right person, for the right perspective, for the right goal, man, it can be a great idea. Time for listener emails. Our first email this week is from John Reeve. Hi, Matt. Thanks for doing all the podcasts. I have some family members who are going on a cruise in January on Symphony of the Seas. They need some advice as the parents haven't gone on a cruise in the late 90s. Number one, how would you best explain to parents how the app works? Are there any helpful tools that can help them better understand the app? Uh, we do have, at the risk of sounding self-serving, because I am, um, we have a write-up of the app on realgreenblog.com in a blog post. We've also done a video about it as well. My best advice is just walk, is play with it. You know, have, install, have them install the app. You can use it while you're at home. It's not quite as fully functional as once on board, but the basics are all there. It's really easy to understand. I think it's very intuitive. So install it before. Like, don't have their first experience when they get on board. That's a mistake. Play with it while at home. Number two, they're a family with young kids with varying kids aging between 16 and 4. Any advice for parents so they can have a better day at sea without having to worry about the kids? Thanks again. I really enjoy the podcast. Uh, two words for you, John. Adventure Ocean. Um, go there on day one. Sign up the kids for Adventure Ocean. It is win-win because for the kids, they get to go there. There's lots of fun things to do. And it's it's a much more fun experience than hanging out with mom and dad, certainly. And I don't think your, your mom and dad also want your kids just running around the ship you know, willy-nilly. So number one, Adventure Ocean is complimentary until 10 p.m. So there's no, if for a sea day, that's perfect. Number two, it's going to offer the kids activities and an opportunity to meet other kids and do more fun things. And for the adults, of course, it's, it's time away. So give it a try. The key with Adventure Ocean, I feel, is you want to get there on first day because after the first night, people, you know, a lot of kids start making, you know, friends and groups form. So it's a lot easier if everyone's in the same boat, so to speak, socially, if you go there on the first day. Thank you for the email, John. Our next email is coming to us from Dottie. Hi, Matt. Just wanted to let you know about an oddity I ran across while searching British Isle Cruise for 2024. The Royal Caribbean Cruise is 12 nights, round trip Amsterdam in June. Balcony for two is $14,313. Real Princess comparable cruise in August is round trip Southampton. Balcony cabin for that, for two, is $7,038. For Diamond on Royal Caribbean, and really love the line. However, this is a ridiculous difference. I guess this is just an instance of buyer beware. Thanks for listening to you with the good work. Thanks for the email, Dottie. I mean, there's obviously, there's a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, I did look up your Regal Princess to tell you exactly when it, when, first of all, you picked a cruise in June versus August. There is a major difference in June and August in terms of demand. So that's like number one. Number two, I don't know if your Regal Princess cruise is also 12 nights. 
also cruising out of Southampton, maybe compared to Amsterdam has its own set of differences. You're not comparing apples to apples, is what I'm trying to say, off the bat, without even having more details. So you can't look at it quite that way. You can say, well, there's a European 12-night cruise and another European 12-night cruise. Or in your case, maybe uh, a a British Isles cruise in British Isles. You may think the same thing, but cruising out of Southampton versus Amsterdam. And of course, time of year is critical in terms of pricing. So it's not quite as apples to apples as you may see there. Also, I think this probably goes without saying, but different lines have different pricing and approaches. I mean, Norwegian and Royal Caribbean, forget Europe for a second, right? Or Carnival. They're not all the same. They have different, uh, you know, pricing structures and marketing and what have you. Anyway, Dottie, don't look. I think you're giving it a little, you're, you're treating it a little too equal across the board. And there are advantages to each cruise line. Not every cruise line does everything perfectly, including Royal Caribbean. So I'm just saying, I, I think you're coming at this from, you're painting with too broad of a stroke, perhaps. Anyway, thanks for the email, Dottie. Our next email is from Bill Slavin. Hey, Matt, it's Bill. I had the pleasure of meeting you on a couple of cruises in the past. So unfortunately, not as a member of a group cruise. One of these days, I'll join all of you as a member of a group cruise. I have a question about COVID-19 requirements for cruising. The last cruise I was on was back on Symphony of the Seas in the last week of February 2020, just two weeks before the wonderful COVID shutdown that the industry had. I now, I know that after the restart of cruising, they were requiring you to get tests done. They provide proof. I have to do my boarding check-in online tomorrow for my cruise. Uh, on Oasis, do they still require you to take a picture of your COVID vaccination card during check-in and a test before boarding day? Nope. Bill, those are all gone. Everything's gone. They don't even ask if you're vaccinated anymore. So it's back to normal in that regard. There's no more COVID protocols as it relates to um, the, the check-in process or anything like that. And I think that will wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. You're going to email me your questions by emailing it to matt at royalcorbianblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.